Acts chapter number 1. Verse number 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas, not the other Judas, another Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. And I want to talk to us for a few moments about sacred places and sacred faces. Father, we love you, praise you, thank you for these incredible people that make up Cornerstone. Thank you for the Spirit of God that is among us. Thank you for your word. Pray that this is a blessing and a revelation to somebody, everybody, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Just to get up to running speed here, we're very familiar. In fact, we just talked about this on Sunday, Acts chapter number 1. The last conversation that Jesus has with his disciples before he ascends to heaven. This is just on the heels of that. That they return into the city proper and go up into an upper room. The Bible says that there were already, some of the disciples were already there. And the Bible also reveals unto us that there was 120. The number of names together were about 120. Then uh, Peter embarks upon a matter of business to replace Judas. I don't believe God asked him to do that. Uh, there's a lot of speculation surrounding this. Um, but nonetheless, Peter recognizes that Judas fulfilled prophecy in filling the role that he did and that 
somebody needs to take his place and you know the story and there was a very democratic process of taking up lots and they chose Matthias. Matthias is never mentioned again because God had his own replacement in mind. It took eight chapters to divulge that, to bring about, even though Saul definitely played a role, Acts chapter number seven reveals that he was consenting unto Stephen's death. Very famous unfolding and progression of that story. But nonetheless, the disciples are there. The Bible calls it an upper room. There's 120 of them that are there. Um, I have tried with my imagination, my overactive imagination, I've tried to harness it and try to fit myself in certain biblical situations, and this one is, is one. I've tried to imagine being there and what it must have been like. It was, um, it was not a prayer meeting like we have when the Holy Ghost gets moving because the Holy Ghost has not yet fallen. Um, I believe they were definitely praying, make no mistake about it, but I, as far as the intensity of it, um, they were probably saying something like this, that, okay, we're praying, we're praying for, Jesus told us to come and pray and wait for the promise of the Father, and God, we love you, Jesus, we praise you, and it was probably something like that, and it went on. And it is abruptly interrupted in the very next chapter. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What I don't, I don't know if words could describe this dynamical shift from a posture of almost, probably some of them had nodded off. There might have even been a few that were just, you know, just barely hanging on. Uh, they were being obedient. They were, they were where they were supposed to be. But you know how it is. Days and hours, and they're there in that posture, and they're waiting, they're waiting, and they're waiting. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God fills the upper room. And for people that had been good Jews and gone to the synagogue. The synagogue was, the temple was in Jerusalem, but everywhere else where Jews worshiped, the local house was called the synagogue. And so they, if they weren't from there, they were, they were used to going to the synagogue and they were good Jews, they understood. But this was beyond anything that any of them had ever experienced. It was, it was, it was, from another world. 
And it was not one of those kinds of a deal. And here again, I'm using my overactive imagination. I do not believe that there were a few that got it and started responding to it. And then it just kind of either slowly rippled through or it may even been like a Pentecostal church ever since. I don't say this critically. You may have some people that are very demonstrative and some other people that are still trying to get on board. No, it all happened to everybody at the exact same time. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost and all began to speak with other tongues. And so what turned out to be an incredibly life-changing, powerful, once-in-a-lifetime experience in this particular setting. The upper room becomes the house of God. And 120, where there was probably family members, the Bible tells us, there were, there were some family members but that they were there, but there were probably neighbors. There were probably people that some people had known for years. Hey, that's just old, that's just old Nicomedii over there. And that's just old, that's just old, that's just old, what's her name's mom. And that's, I'm serious. That you, people haven't changed for thousands of years, brothers and sisters. And that's just old, you know, that's my neighbor over there. And they were always faithful to the temple. And, and they were here. They believed Jesus like we did. So they're here and they're here. When it came in, it was no longer the upper room. And it was no longer just neighbors and family members. They were now the church of the living God. Something dynamical had shifted. Something powerful. Something glorious. Something wonderful. Something from another world. And it happens every single time we get together. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I don't believe that the people that were there ever looked at a prayer meeting the same way. I don't believe that the people were there, they saw their neighbors talking in tongues in a language they did not even understand themselves. They saw family members that were prophesying they they heard they heard their next door neighbors in in a language but the, but it was a language that was proclaiming the wonderful works of God there was everybody was in the holy ghost and everybody was being used of God and people that had sat in the temple all their lives and never even raised an eyebrow never even moved a muscle were now on a cobblestone street and they were proclaiming the goodness and the awesome wonder of an almighty God why is this important because when God moves in, it's not just a beautiful room with a fancy pew and beautiful design carpet. It's, it's another world. It's become the house of God. It becomes a sacred place. When God comes in, if it's really God and you really want it and you really yield to it, 
it will dynamically change the environment. I'm being, I'm being redundant just for the sake of trying to make my point one more time. I do not believe that people ever looked at that building where the upper room was. You had people for the rest of their lives that said, it happened right there. It happened right there. I, I, I know people don't believe that. I don't even care what other people think. I'm telling you, it happened right there. My neighbors were there. My family was there. Guys in my neighborhood were there. I believe with them, when they saw each other at the supermarket, it wasn't just old Joe anymore and just some guy on the job. It was, hey, bro, you got it too. You got it like I got it. We all got it. It becomes a sacred place and a sacred face. Come on, go ahead and clap your hands now. Acts chapter 8, you have this guy, Philip. Where did Philip come from? Philip is first mentioned in an earlier chapter of Acts. One of the seven men that was chosen to wait at the, daily, at the tables for the daily ministration of the widows. A man that was full of the Holy Ghost and of good report. But he said, this servant and tables and stuff, I, I'm, 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 I'm happy to do it, but I really feel like God is calling me somewhere else and he ends up on, in Samaria. You know the story. He goes to Samaria. There's great joy in that city. God does wonderful works. People are baptized in Jesus' name. But before Peter and John get there and start praying people through, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, why did God do that? Why did God allow Philip to only take it so far because one plants and one waters. You do not have ministry without the interconnection and inner working of other ministries. We have to work together. But, but there was a bigger picture. Peter and John came because God wanted to show Peter and John, you got to get out of Jerusalem. This is not just for your homies. This is not just for people that went to the temple. This is for this entire world. You did good by going to the upper room, but get out to Samaria. Get out to Judea, take his thing to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. Philip's just minding his own business. And the spirit leads him out to the wilderness. And there's a guy in a chariot out there. And the Spirit says, join yourself to that man. Ladies and gentlemen, God's got this whole thing mapped out if we're listening. You got to get rid of your agenda and what you think your life is supposed to look like, a plan that you, you invented a long time ago. It's time to ditch that. We're in the hour where I, listen, your pastor, I'm in. I'm like, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, you want me to give a Bible study at midnight, I'm ready. You want me to go at five o'clock in the morning, I'm ready. I, I, you want this, we gotta get rid of the way things used to be. We're entering a different dimension where this thing's gonna go to another level.
You can't just be these, one of these eight to five guys that says, well, God's going to have to fit in, in what I'm used to doing. God's saying, if you want it bad enough, you step out of what you're doing. I'll supply everything else. I'll tell you where to go. I'll supply the people. I'll give you the word. You don't even have to think what to preach. In fact, these people that spend hours and weeks and months to come up with some great message, I appreciate all that. I love, the, I love homiletics. I love great preaching. But he said, think not what you will say because the Spirit will give you what to say. I want it. If it's apostolic, we're going to have it. Somebody clap your hands. I'm getting all worked up up here. I'm way out here. I'm waiting for the rest of you to get out of your comfort zone and say, God, this is why you brought me into this. This is why you brought me into the kingdom. This is why you brought me to the kingdom for such a time as this. Here's Philip. Stepping up into a chariot with a guy from Ethiopia. There is no prejudice in the real kingdom. I wish, I wish the most reverend Al Sharpton would visit Cornerstone. And he'd probably think, man, I'm going to get up there and sit, sit with the bishop of the church. No. No, Al, I'm glad you're here. Al, sit right next to your, right next to Brother Jeremy. Or sit right over here. This, is, this will really make him worried. Sit right next to Brother Clark. And before it's all over, it won't be Reverend Al Sharpton that's chasing every little situation that comes through the headlines. It'll be Al Sharpton, my brother, going down in the name and coming up. And I don't care what he did before. From this point forward, this is a sacred place, and it's a sacred faith. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm ready. I'm waiting on the rest of you to get out here. So Philip obeys God, gets in the chariot, basically guides him through the word of God and baptizes him in Jesus' name. The next thing we know, Philip is carried away in the spirit. That kind of stuff did not end in Acts 8. It's still here. I got to tell you this. A guy calls me. Not just a guy. He's a well-known pastor in Houston, Texas. He calls me 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I did not take the call. He said, bro, I was in the office praying, and I felt like the Holy Ghost told me to call you. We didn't finally connect till this afternoon. How many of you remember what I preached last Sunday? Not that it was a great message, but... I preached on, on angels, right? He started talking. He said, um, he said, I really don't know really why I'm calling you. I feel like God's telling me that you're going to tell me something that I need. He said, but one of our, in our live stream, one of our cameras caught an angel. I said, that's interesting. Last Sunday, I just preached on angels. Now, you can sit there all you want to. This pastor here, I'm expecting him every Sunday. We're working together to win some people. 
You got to get rid of the way we used to do things. It's another world. We're in the end time. We got to have revival. That just happened. Well, pastor, I don't know about this. Well, listen, I understand your skepticism. I love you. But do not breed your skepticism. There are plenty of other formatted Pentecostal churches in this area. This one here, we're in Acts chapter 29. Let's ease this thing and put the pedal to the metal and see what God will do. Where you see people that have been sitting in a church their whole life, and God said, this one's going to evangelize, and that one's going to pastor a daughter word, and this one's going to be a missionary to Brazil, and this one over here is going to be an evangelist that's going to tear up their world. I believe every word of that. Oh, let's stand to our feet and clap our hands. Instead of the devil keeping you down, why don't you put the devil on the run tonight? Come on, put the devil on the run. You ain't chasing me anymore. I'm chasing you out of here by the authority of the name of Jesus. Okay. You may be seated. Just don't get comfortable. Don't think about that enchilada. Quit showing food. (laughs) You think I'm kidding. I can really mess up my anointing. Start thinking about that big old enchilada. Acts chapter 10. Philip never thought the same about the wilderness. Well, it's just, yeah, I'm just going to the job, Pastor, holding down a job. God bless you. Why did God open the door for you to work on that job instead of the other 25 electrical contractors in this area? It's time for us to go to work in the morning and say, God, Which one is it? I can't be the only one that's thinking this. I got to believe that the Spirit of God is talking to people in the night, talking to people in the morning, talking to people on your knees, talking to people while you're driving down the road. This thing is supposed The over-intellectual post-modern denominational spirit in this hour is thinking that the apostolic church needs to become more intellectual. That is a lie. What we need to do is become more biblical because the miracles are still there. The power is still there. The need is still there. God is still there. The devil is still there. The promises of God are still there. The power is still there. Acts chapter 10. The Romans. Crucifixion was a Roman idea. And here is a centurion by the name of Cornelius. An angel does not show up talking to a priest that goes to the temple in Jerusalem. 
the, the, the angel is not sent to Caiaphas. The angel is sent to a guy that wants to be saved. And so Cornelius immediately obeys the supernatural. He says, hey, you three guys, go to Joppa. Knock on this guy's door. Look for one by the name of Peter. Tell him he's got something to say that we need to hear. Peter comes back to Cornelius' house and it's packed with people. He starts preaching. The Holy Ghost falls it's no longer just Cornelius' house. It has just become the house of God. And everybody began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't believe it was just Cornelius anymore. Dude, we're brothers. Come on over here and give me a hug. And I don't believe it. And the only thing that can bust you out of that is to get good and full of the Spirit of God. And then it's not just old brother Leon. No, that's brother Leon. This guy is the devil's worst nightmare. You ever seen him operate in a hospital? You know, if we're not careful, we'll just, no, oh, that's just old brother. You know, you know how old brother, what's his name is? Sister, what's his name is? Until we have a move of God. And then what was just a sanctuary turns into a sacred place. And now that's not just anybody. Brother, you're my brother. I love you. Whatever you need, let me know. Let's pray together. I'll meet you down here. Let's have a move of God. Let's outreach together. Let's get Bible studies together. Sacred places and sacred faces where there's a move of God. I went to, uh, I'm almost done. We went to the upper room. I don't even know, know if it was the upper room. Start seeing a bunch of signs. You start thinking, I don't know, maybe this is just a tourist trap. We didn't walk up any big stairwell or anything, but we went to a place. They said this was the upper room. There was 70 or 80 people that were there. We had a prayer meeting. It became very emotional. It was very powerful. But during that prayer meeting, it transformed being whatever it was before. My brothers and my sisters, we have to start thinking this way. I've told my story so many times, I, I will not bore you with another rendition of pastor's testimony, but I'm just going to tell you this. The church I got saved in was a million miles from how good this building looks here. But I want to tell you, after I received, that wasn't just throw down Russian carpet and folding metal chairs. Brother, I couldn't wait to get into that place. It was now sacred. 
I've seen things. I've seen a move of God. You want to know why the devil hates me so much? He is scared to death what I have seen will start happening here in Spokane. I got bad news for him. It's already happening. If you were raised in a revival atmosphere, if you've ever even seen it, the devil will overload you so bad so you never emerge out of the ground. But I'm here to tell you, it's already happening. We've come to duplicate and replicate. You may be seated. I wrote, I wrote a little book here. Not a big deal. Not a million seller. Amazon doesn't even know it exists probably. I wrote a book on some of our early experiences on starting this church. And uh, I get a check every month from headquarters because they sell these books. People say they like it. But I got to the table of contents where it said acknowledgments. You know, um, the very first page, this book is dedicated to my wife, Ellen. Your unwavering and unshakable tenacity for God and the things of God have impacted not only myself, happy Valentine's Day, but so many others. And also to my children, Zachary and Audrey. Extended affections go to my son-in-law, Jared Marks, my daughter-in-law, who's only here in the spirit, Whitney Mayo, and my three grandchildren, Miles, Nora, and Caden. Next is a list of those that have made their lasting contributions to who I am and who I hope to become. Reverend Paul and Lorraine Bertram, Reverend Gordon and Afton Mallory, Reverend Timothy Copeland, Reverend Robert Baer, Reverend Larry Booker, Reverend Randy Keyes, Reverend Von Morton, Reverend Ken Bow, Reverend Joel Holmes, Reverend Paul and uh, Lori Elder, Reverend Johnny Godare, the late Priscilla Magruder. Now, here are a bunch of names that you will probably never know. You're, you're never gonna see their names on Fox News. They're never gonna be in the halftime presentation at Super Bowl. <clears throat> Sister Bonnie Kentner, Sister Cindy Mayo, Brother Bob Thorpe, the late Estelle Rowland. I hope I can get through this without crying. This is what I'm talking about. Are there no sacred places anymore? Are there no sacred faces? These are sacred to me. There's no way I'm going to write a book and leave these people out. There ain't no book without them. Brother Harold and Sister Judy Sargent. 
Brother Bob and Sister Joanne Bertram, Brother Jimmy and Sister Ruby Jones, Brother Dennis and Sister Pat Fister. I offer no apologies. I'm apostolic. It wasn't just a storefront. They weren't just people. They became sacred. You can't ever have them. If the devil can ever create a situation in your life that he can get to the sacred things, it will change your potentiality in the end time to the degree that you hold something sacred is to the same degree that you're a threat to hell. Oh, that's old. That's just old Joe. Not after you get in the Holy Ghost. Well, sister so-and-so always does this. She always cries. After you get in the Holy Ghost, it's just keep putting up with her. God loves her and we should too. Can you guys hear my preaching over there? There has got to be sacred places and sacred faces way down on the inside that are holding up what you and I can really see. You can't make it living Sunday to Sunday. You can't live it on a paycheck and you can't live from Sunday to Sunday. You gotta have something on the inside of you that says, my day is coming, my hour is coming, I shall arise. Clap your hands and give him praise. Sacred faces and sacred places. The devil is not after your church attendance. The devil's after your list. The man that brought me to God, the man that God used to bring me to an apostolic revelation of reality. I heard with my own ears. Brother Pike, can you hear this up there? He started talking against the man of God. He started talking against the church. I, 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 I'm warning somebody. I am warning you in the Holy Ghost. You keep hanging out with people. Satan is using that person to get down into the sacred where the roots of who you are and what you are. And if he can taint the sacred stronghold within each and every one of us, then it's just a matter of time before he goes. And like that big California redwood, the largest living creature on earth, pardon me, largest living organism on earth, 
a little tiny songbird got up on one of the bare branches of a 230-foot tree. And as that bird lifted off, that little branch began to wiggle and it reverberated and went all the way down. And then the mighty fell. They studied the rings of the tree. And they said at the time of the Civil War, there was a fire that come through here. This tree lived. There was an infestation of parasites that came here before women could vote. That tree survived. But there was a disease that got in there and got to the very core of that tree. And all it took was a little bird and that which was mighty that which was strong that which had purpose has now been toppled I was talking to somebody in this church they're here. I won't mention who they are. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Or we got to talking about somebody at the Rock Church. This is everything I could do to fight back tears. Ah, oh, that was just old brother. So maybe to you he was, but not to me. That was the first example of a working man I ever seen. There has to be. Cornerstone is going to be that for somebody. You need to pray, God, don't ever let me tamper with what somebody calls sacred. Don't ever let me get to the place of just talking about my brother and sister like they're just nothing and nobody's and just Satan wants your sacred places and your sacred faces. A parent, a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle. Everything's fine till we get that word of bitterness and now we reevaluate. We have a brand new assessment of everything. It taints everything. To where at one time in my life it was pure and powerful, but now <laughs> it's not easy to preach like this. I'm trying to save somebody. It's not good enough to just come to church. You got to have some sacred places. When I went back to Sacramento, Brother Paul Elder. I think he told this story while he was here. 
We were driving down the road, and I grabbed him. I went like this and grabbed him just like this in the chest. I said, stop. He said, what? What's going on? I got saved right there. It was in an apartment complex, corner of Fulton and Hurley. I went to No Limits several years ago. They invited me to preach. I rented a car. And I took a little trip down memory lane. And I parked the car and went around. The tears just started falling. That's where it all happened. Satan's done everything he can. To turn that into just nothing. One of the ways you keep it alive, you rehearse it. I'm known for doing really random stuff. Like I'll send text messages at the four, four o'clock in the morning. I'll be thinking about somebody that I looked up to as a man of God. And I'll just say, I was just thinking about you. Just want to tell you I love you. You mean so much to me. They're probably thinking, dude, doesn't this guy ever sleep? You don't understand. What am I doing? I'm keeping that sacred thing alive. You got to tell people. You need to let the devil know, hey, it's still working in me. I still love these people. I wouldn't be here without them. I wouldn't have had a Bible study without them. Somebody brought me to church and somebody fed me and somebody talked about God and somebody kept praying for me. Let's close with Romans chapter 16. Paul is writing this letter. They think, they think that he wrote it from Corinth. Paul didn't even start that church. Contrary to public opinion, Paul did not start the church at Rome. On the day of Pentecost, right there where it's talking about people from Bithynia and Lystra, and strangers from Rome. Somebody took it back. Somebody said, I'm going to go ahead and get baptized. They're probably one of those that gladly received the word. And then they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when they went back to Rome, right under the crushing heel of, of Caesar, they began to have a revival. And when Paul got there, he was under house arrest. And he marveled at the supernatural infrastructure. There were people that even were servants in Caesar's household that were tongue talkers. And so he's writing this letter to the fond memories he has at the church at Rome. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, just keep going, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Unto whom not only I give thanks. If, if somebody was to come up here and show me the picture of one of these people from my, my very first start in the church. Well, I was writing this book. Somebody said, man, you're going to really put everybody's name in there? I said, get out of the way. who laid 
down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Asia under Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. The apostle Paul did not have to include little people. He didn't have to, he didn't look at them like they were little people. He didn't look at them like they were just an addendum. He said, this is the church of the living God. In the most corrupt city the world has ever known. In fact, Babylon will be as a type of the new Roman Empire. <laughs> Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Stachys, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute which are of, I can't even pronounce all these. Some of you are going to name your kids this stuff. Arostabalus. Salute Herodonian, my kinsmen. Greet them that be of the house of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphenia and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. If you were to send me away for years and I was never to come back, I'd go from my memory. Tell, tell Elder I said hi. Tell, tell Sister Daisy, praise the Lord for me. I don't have one problem with one person here. You know what? If a pastor is praying and a pastor stays in the spirit, he doesn't see you as a problem. He sees you as potential that's in the devil's face. I hope Brother Logan's still preaching. Tell Brother Roy, I said hi, and his precious family. Tell Brother Jake Reed, I love him. Tell Brother Glenn I said hi. Tell Brother Hubert? Oh, Herbert. <laughs> Never mind. Tell Herbert I said I love him. Tell Brother Jeremy. Save me a spot right by him. Tell Brother... Steve, just keep giving the devil fits. Tell Sister Davies, you keep on. You're empty in hell and populating heaven, and you've got a reward on the other side. Tell people in the last row, I said, be of good courage. Hit the altar every time there's a service. Tell them in the back that God's for them. God love them. God's going to bring revival. Tell that whole church that I love them. sacred places and sacred faces. Let's stand. This is probably unlike any other message I've ever preached in my life. I want you to take inventory. There has to be an element of the sacred in you. That no matter how bad life gets, devil, you ain't getting my sacred. It's vouchsafed. It's, in, it's, it's down in the catacombs of my spirit.
You know, we always come to the altar and thank God for this altar. But I want us to, I want us to pray right there at our pew. You may be seated. Let's just pray. Let's pray like they did in the upper room. Let's just pray. God, I pray that every human being on the sound of my voice, every brother and sister, every child has some sacred faces. It doesn't have to be me. But you got to have somebody that contributed to your direction, to your destination, to your determination, to your consecration. Come on, let's pray. If you don't have sacred faces in sacred places, I encourage you to memorialize some tonight. Uh, no, 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 you need to find somebody. It doesn't have to be me. I'm not, I'm not asking for myself to be inserted there, but find somebody that, that you can pattern your life after and say, I, I, I love the way they pray. I love the way they, they serve God. I love, that. that's a beautiful family. Whatever they're doing, I want to do it. Help me!